Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. And before you get it into your heads that I'm just trying to pad my stats, when it comes to leading this program with Jacksonville Jaguar takes, you could not be more wrong. I mean, yes, I'm proud of the fact that I've led this show with a Jag take numerous times, but I'm not here to pad stats. I'm not about that life. Because nobody has ever, and I mean ever, brought it the way Jalen Ramsey did with GQ Magazine. Now, as you may or may not know, this already was a huge Jalen Ramsey house. And not just because of his game or his talk or his appearance on this show earlier this year. It's because of everything about this guy. And it now just got bigger. I put an addition onto that Jalen Ramsey house. In fact, I'm going to add a ghost to this Jalen Ramsey house. Because just when I thought that I could not respect or like this guy anymore, this guy shows up like this. He sits down with GQ in New York over breakfast on a day where he was going to hit up the legendary Dapper Dan in Harlem and then check out his jeweler in North or in New Jersey. And even though his day was just getting started, my man was already in full flow, starting with his opinions on some of the quarterbacks in this year's draft and those already in the NFL. He gets warmed up with Buffalo and their first-round draft pick, Josh Allen. Check this quote out. I think Allen is trash. I don't care what nobody say. He's trash, and it's going to show too. That's a stupid draft pick to me. We play them this year, and I'm excited as hell. I hope he's their starting quarterback. He played at Wyoming. Every time they played a big school, like they played at Iowa State, which is not a big school in my opinion because I went to Florida State, and he threw five interceptions, and they lost by a couple of touchdowns or something like that. He never beat a big school. If you look at his games against big schools, it was always hella interceptions, hella turnovers. It's like, yo, if you're this good, why couldn't you do better? He fits that mold. He's a big, tall quarterback, big arms supposedly. I don't see it personally. End of quote. Now, normally I come out of a quote like that and I'll react to it. But in this case, I can't. I'm too busy trying to pick up my jaw off the floor. That's incredible. He just laid that cat out. There's nothing I can add to that. And I'm this close to rereading it just so you can hear it again. I mean, honestly, normally I would not read a quote that long. But in this case, what was I going to cut from it? It's all gold. And Jalen was just getting started. And, now to be fair, this guy was not just killing folk. He was not all negative. He really liked the Lamar Jackson pick for Baltimore. Quote, I think he's going to do a good job especially with Ravens' offense coordinator. He likes running quarterbacks. He likes that read option. And just being honest about it, Flacco sucks. I played him two years in a row. He sucks. End of quote. Again, saying something sucks is not a take. But when Jalen Ramsey is saying Joe Flacco sucks, not once, but twice, That is a take. It's a strong take. It's one of the best takes ever. The only thing missing from Ramsey saying Flacco sucks twice is did I stutter? I mean, exactly where was my man Jalen Ramsey when the worst question ever posed was being debated daily? Is Joe Flacco elite? Damn, somebody just asked Jalen Ramsey so we can put this nonsense to bed once and for all. Is he? Is he, Jay? Nah, man. Flacco sucks. I played him two years ago or two years in a row. He sucks. 
There you go. And again, he wasn't above giving out love. Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Marcus Mariota, Tyrod Taylor, you're all good in Ramsey's book. Same with Drew Brees and Deshaun Watson. He said this about Watson, quote, he'll be the league MVP in a couple of years. Also, you too, Carson Wentz. Kirk Cousins got some love. Dak Prescott got a little bit as well. How about Matt Ryan? How about Matt Ryan? Quote, overrated. How about Ben Roethlisberger? Quote, he's decent. It's not Big Ben. It's Antonio Brown. Big Ben slings the ball a lot of the time. He just slings it and his receivers go get it. He's got a strong arm, but he ain't all that. I played him twice last year and he really disappointed me. End quote. <laughs> Jalen Ramsey. Jalen Ramsey saying that Ben Roethlisberger, quote, really disappointed me is one of my 10 favorite quotes of all time. And I'm not even sure it's the best quote in that interview. That's how good Ramsey is. That's how good that interview is. I didn't want that thing to end. In fact, in my head, it's not ending. I'm just going to repeat the quotes over and over again. Just when I thought that I could not love Jalen Ramsey any more than I do, he drops an a legendary interview like this. Legendary. And yes, this point about Big Ben... He does acknowledge that Roethlisberger is going to be a Hall of Famer and that he has had a great career. But just going into the Pro Football Hall of Fame does not guarantee that you're going into the Jalen Ramsey Hall of Fame. And really, if you're a quarterback, what's more important? Especially if you're a quarterback. Do you want the respect of all of those who came before you or do you want the respect from a young stud playing the game better than anybody else is currently at their position? That's what I thought. I wonder what color blazers Jalen Ramsey would put on the guys that he does respect. I know this. Ramsey saying that Roethlisberger, quote, really disappointed me might be a nastier burn than saying that Flacco sucks. Twice. Because obviously he had no expectations for Flacco, but he had some for Ben. And Ben did not live up to them. Ben did not earn Jalen Ramsey's respect. And I get that every guy plays the game for different reasons. I understand that. But understand this. Every guy should play the game to get Jalen Ramsey's respect. I know I would. Hell, if I put down the phone, if he put down the phone after coming on this show, and he saw CBS Sports Network, and he said, damn, Rome has lost a bit of his fastball. Rome has lost his edge. I'm not sure that that wouldn't kill me. I would have a real issue with that. Man, I'd be wounded. I'd be third-degree burned. And then I would do whatever the hell I could to earn Jalen Ramsey's respect back and work my way back into his good graces. Because I don't want that guy saying that about me. And nor should Flacco, or nor should Ben, or Josh Allen. Because if he says it, it is so. Bottom line, week one, still a few weeks away, but the NFL season officially started today. Jalen Ramsey kicked it off, and it's awesome. Again, this is a big Jalen Ramsey house, but after that interview with GQ, I'm going to build that guy a compound. It's now a Ramsey compound. All in the name of one Jalen Luttrell Ramsey. Marcus Simeon is my guest. Marcus, good morning. Great to have you on the show. How are you? Hey, Jim. I'm great. How are you? Doing great, bud. Thank you very much. Great to have you on. So, Seattle, Marcus gets on the board in the first inning last night. Then you come back. You lead off the bottom of the first with a home run to tie it. Can you first start right there? Take us through the at-bat. What were you thinking throughout that at-bat, and how good did it feel to tie it up? 
Uh, you know, it felt great. I mean, that's a leadoff home run. That's as good as you can do from that spot. So James Paxton, he's got a really good fastball, so I was just trying to be short. Um, last time we faced him, he, he pitched really well against us. I think he struck out like 16 guys, and somehow we still won the game, but we didn't want to let that happen again. Marcus Simeon joining us. You know, I'm looking at you guys, Marcus, and since the middle of June, you're 38 and 12. That is the organization's best 50 game stretch since 2005. So, what's it like to come to the ballpark right now? Do you feel a momentum and a confidence in the clubhouse that continues to build on itself? Yeah, it's been great. We, you know, anytime we were down late in the game, we feel like we can still win it, especially with the bullpen we have and the power we have. A um, couple swings, and we're right back in the game with some of these power hitters we have. And um, we've came back from 10-2 to 2 deficits. Um, just crazy games this year, but it's been really fun. You know, you've been a part of some rough seasons in Oakland where the losses really did stack up. What was that experience like, and then how do you go about keeping your spirits up and your focus where it needs to be when things aren't going as well for the team? Yeah, there's been a lot of ups and downs. Um, you know, we've seen at least three, two, three years where the deadline has just been a, a sad time for us where we're, we're trading guys and we're seeing other teams, you know, flourish with some of our players that we had on opening day. So to be, you know, adding at the deadline, especially these bullpen arms, and then just to see the starting pitching that we've added through minor league deals, guys who've been established and played in World Series and playoffs and share that experience with us has been great because a lot of we have a lot of young guys who haven't been there so um, just to talk to those guys and just learn from them has been great for us everybody knows about the risks of driving drunk you could get in a crash people could get hurt or killed but let's take a moment and look at some surprising statistics almost 29 people in the united states die every single day in alcohol impaired vehicle crashes that's one person every 50 minutes even though drunk driving fatalities have fallen by a third in the last three decades drunk driving crashes still claim more than 10,000 lives every single year drunk driving can have a big impact on your wallet also you could get arrested and incur huge legal expenses. You could possibly even lose your job. So what can you do to prevent drunk driving? Plan a safe ride home before you start drinking. Designate a sober driver or call a taxi. If someone you know has been drinking, take their keys and arrange for them to get a sober ride home. We all know the consequences of driving drunk, but one thing is for sure. You're wrong if you think it's no big deal. Drive sober or get pulled over. Oakland A, Marcus Simeon's my guest. You know, I had Bob Melvin on the show back in spring training, and I could tell from talking to him that he had a confidence and a feeling about this group that this could be something special this year. When did you first realize how good this team could be? I think last year, last September, we played really well with the young group. You know, we, we had our, our corner guys come up and play every day. Chad Pinder um, playing all types of positions and hitting for power, and then Chris Davis is having the best year yet, and he, you know, he's hit 43 and 42 homers, you know, the last two seasons. So he, he's having a better year this year. Um, I think guys like Mark Canna having big years, kind of in a platoon role, um, 
And then Piscotti's been great, too. He's made a lot of great plays in the outfield. So just adding to our offense, and we're younger and more athletic on defense, and I think that's helping. You know, our bullpen is the, the highlight of the team, but when you talk about the offense, that's, that's what's going on there. Marcus Simeon joining me. You know, your teammate Matt Chapman put out the call earlier this week for more fans to show up at the park, and there was a bounce in attendance last night. Listen, you're going to battle no matter what, but how much extra juice do you get when you're playing in front of a larger crowd? Yeah, we get a lot more energy. Uh, it feels great to hear, you know, the crowd cheering when you make a play or you, you get a big hit. Just it gets you going. Um, in years past, some lighter crowds, and, um, you know, that's just, it is what it is. But, you know, to see, you know, Matt Chapman mature and, um, you know, say what he said, he's, he's not saying that to call anybody out. He just wants us to play better, and we play better when this place is packed. Uh, we've had, you know, games against the Giants here that are sold out. Um, the free game, obviously, was, you know, capacity crowd, and those are some of the best games we've played all year. So he's saying that to get us to play better. You know, Mark, you're a Bay Area guy, and you grew up, you mentioned the Giants, you grew up going to Giants games and going to St. Mary's High School, and then you went on to Cal. So what's it like for you to be playing for the Oakland A's and playing back home? It's been great. It's been great for my family. You know, um, this time in Oakland, I've gotten married. We've had two kids. Uh, my parents, family members have been able to watch me play at this level, which has been great uh, in person. Um, so it's, I've been very happy. Of course, the first couple of years, we didn't play very well. So that was hard just to, you know, I felt like um, I, didn't, I didn't necessarily feel like I was letting my hometown people down, but I just felt like it could be a lot better. And now this year has been unbelievable you know we've been playing great and uh, a lot more people are happy Marcus Simeon joining me for a few more moments you know before I let you go you're a member of the Taylor Hooten Foundation board for the third year in a row and the foundation's focused on educating young people about the dangers of performance enhancing drugs why is this cause so important to you well it's just about um, doing things the right way Uh, I really take pride in working hard to get to where I want to be, which is to win a championship. Um, you know, a lot of a lot of my work ethic you know, was publicized when Ron Washington came. Just, you know, anytime you you have some struggles, you need to work as hard as you can the right way to get out of it. And that's what this game is about. Uh, I believe that you know your your hard work in the weight room and out there on the field is what will get you better in doing in doing it clean. And that's what the Taylor Foundation preaches to a lot of young kids, just to do it that way because your health is so important in the long run, and PEDs will, you know, hurt that if you take them. You know, you mentioned Washington, so before I let you go, let me ask you this. A couple of years back, maybe, maybe you weren't fielding your position the way you would have liked, and then Ron Washington comes in, he joins the staff with the infielders. I've seen the videos of the two of you working together. I mean, they're really fascinating. He's with Atlanta right now, but what did you learn from your time with him? Well, he really helped me. Um, he, he broke everything down from step one, catching the baseball. Um, the way I was catching the ball was not as efficient. Um, 
just the way he taught the the infield position was something that really clicked with me, and I use everything that he taught me now. Even with uh, you know, we we've got Matt Williams here, Al Padrique. Those guys have a lot to offer too. But just taking what Wash gave me day out and his, uh, you know, his mindset, he mind over matter was his thing. You know, don't let your mind get in the way either. Just you know, make the next play. If you make an error, go on to the next one. Um, I, I've used everything I've learned from him in a positive way, and I think it's showing now. So I'm back from two weeks of vacation, and I need to drop some thank you notes in the mail to my gracious host in Wisconsin, and of course, to all the dudes that rolled through the jungle and held it down while I was gone. So Stamps.com is going to make it so easy for me to get that done right from my desk. So what you need to do is create your own Stamps.com account. You can do so in minutes online with no equipment to lease and no long-term commitments. Click, print, mail, and you are done. Stamps.com brings all the amazing services of the U.S. Postal Service right to your fingertips. Once again, I have used Stamps.com for a long time because it is so fast, it is so easy, it is so convenient, and it does save me money. Right now, you too can enjoy the Stamps.com service with a special offer, which includes a four-week trial plus postage and a digital scale. All you have to do is go to Stamps.com, hit the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in Jungle. Once again, I love this service. I know you will, too. Go to Stamps.com and enter Jungle. Let me throw a date out for you. December 24th, 2016. 599 days ago. That's how long it's been since the Browns have won a football game. They have played 17 games since. They have lost every single one of them. You know this. I know this. They know this. We all know this. But most of all, Anheuser-Busch knows this. So the giant brewery responsible for the heinous creations of Bud Light Lime, Bud Light Clamato, are now dropping refrigerators stock full of their flagship product in 10 different Seatown bars to celebrate that inevitable first Browns win that's going to break the damn near two-year losing streak. I mean, that's got to be the most Cleveland thing ever, right? And I'm pretty damn sure that not even that town deserves this treatment. Because right now, 10 fridges of bottom-shelf Bud Light in 10 different Cleveland bars are sitting idly by with remote control locks wrapped around them. On each door of the fridge, a message reads, quote, when the Browns win, Cleveland wins, end quote. So when that clock strikes zero, on whenever that first win comes, the doors to flavorless water beer will be remotely unlocked and free for whoever hates their taste buds enough to grab a can. Yeah, right. Because nothing says peak celebration like a 4% Bud Light. Never mind that Bud Light barely passes for beer. Never mind that you can get it anywhere, anytime you want for dirt cheap. How about the fact that the team actually signed off on this promotion? 
I can count on exactly zero fingers the number of other franchises in the NFL that are all set to commemorate their first win in two years. I mean, that's not something to drink to. That's something to drink because of. And I'm pretty sure the city has been pouring something a little stiffer than Bud Light to cope with the last 32 games there. I mean, how backwards is this? Counting down to the opportunity to drink free Bud Light after the Browns finally do win a game. My favorite part, though, of the whole thing is that Anheuser-Busch says they're prepared to switch out the beer every month to make sure the product is fresh. I mean, first off, is there anybody anywhere who has a sophisticated enough palate to taste the difference between a fresh Bud Light and a stale Bud Light? A fresh Bud Light and a month-old Bud Light. Is there anybody anywhere who can tell the difference? How much worse can terrible beer be after sitting in a fridge for 30 days? And on top of that, the fact that they're willing to change it out month to month. Essentially, Anheuser is saying, you sucked last year, you're going to suck again this year. But don't sweat it, we've got a plan in place. And we're going on record with that plan. Awesome corporate partner there, C-Town. Awesome corporate partner, Browns. Hey, listen, listen, free is me. And normally free booze makes up two of the greatest words in the English language. But free Bud Light? Pass. Look, you know I'm a Heineken guy. And I'm a Heineken man because Heineken's got that really important characteristic that I like in my beer. Taste. Taste. I mean, sure, it's expensive. But I work my ass off so I can throw one of those down when I want to. Taste. It's important. Bud Light is like fermented water. And right about now, I would love to see a local Seatown brewery step up. Something like Bottle House, Brick and Barrel, Fathead, Great Lakes. Somebody step up and undercut the hell out of this. One of those microcraft outfits should do the same thing so victory actually tastes good. Cleveland, you do not deserve this whack-ass promotion. You do not deserve a giant St. Louis water beer company who sold out to InBev coming into your town to celebrate your team with a marketing scheme that ultimately draws more attention to mediocrity by toasting it with more mediocrity. Here's to getting the first win out of the way so you can get those stupid fridges of Bud Light out of the way. So you can get the Bud Light out of the fridge as quickly as possible. Yeah, I know, free as me. If they gave it to you for free, would you drink it? Not me. You're going to make me wait 600 days for a win and then slam a Bud Light in my hand? Not for me. Hey, listen, I've got a special message for all of my contractors, builders, and remodelers out there. My people who know the importance of getting a project finished on time, who value professional pricing, who know quality and value when they see it. 
Well, my pals over at Lumber Liquidators have you covered now. Introducing LL Pro Plus, Lumber Liquidators All-Star Pro Services team, which is dedicated to fulfilling all your professional flooring needs. LL Pro Plus will help you get products finished on time, provide unsurpassed value and quality, and offer dedicated support to get you what you need when you have to have it. They're pros taking care of pros, and there is no project which is too big and no project too small. They can help you with anything. So put the flooring experts on your team, and let's get started right now. Visit your local Lumber Liquidator store or go to LumberLiquidators.com slash ProSales. Once again, LumberLiquidators.com slash ProSales. Go there today. We are joined by Delaney Walker. Delaney, great to have you back. How are you? I'm good. You didn't have to say all of that, though, man. You put a smile on my face, man. Thank you. You got it. You earned it. It's a great resume. Listen, the team's coming off a playoff run, and then you made some moves in the offseason. I'm curious, what's the vibe been like in training camp? Does it feel like there's a little extra buzz and excitement? Most definitely. You said it's the extra buzz and excitement uh, with the fans coming to the practices, with the players, the coaches, um, the way practice is going. Everybody, we're just trying to feed off what we did last year, and you can see that the guys are, are hyped about it and a lot of energy. Listen, you and I have talked in the past, so go ahead and shoot me straight. You've been at this a while right now. Do you still enjoy training camp, or is it just something that you've got to get through in order to get to the matters the regular season? <laughs> um, <laughs> honestly, I, you know, I, I don't really enjoy training camp, but you know, as athletes, we need it. I think that it gets you prepared for the season, uh, especially the guys that really don't do too much on the off season it kind of gets them prepared get them back in shape so um i don't really enjoy it but we it's something that i think we need as athletes all right so you celebrated your birthday on sunday i know you're a vet i know the guys in the locker room are always looking to pick on the guy who's got a few years under his belt how did it go for you and were there a lot of old man jokes <laughs> yeah it was uh i got a lot of old man jokes a lot of guys kept saying what are you like 40 42 <laughs> right. you know i was getting all the ages i wasn't um, asking me, you know, how am I still in the league? Basically, when I came in the league, they were little kids. They were in elementary. So, um, telling about I was on the original All Madden. <laughs> so, I was just, I've been getting a lot, but you know, that just shows that the guys respect me and that uh, they, you know, they understand how hard I work to be here and still be able to play as fast as I am. Yeah, I mean, to that point, you can still blow past a bunch of these guys off the line of scrimmage. Was there any part of you that wanted to remind them, I might be older than you, but I can still dominate you? I let them know that every day. You know, when, when, when they step up, I tell you, look, I'm older, but I'm still faster. I tell you, I'm the fastest dude on the team. Obviously, I'm not, but I joke with them every time just to let them know that you better show up because I'm always going to show out. Delaney Walker joining us, tight end for the Tennessee Titans. He is named three straight Pro Bowls. So the team, of course, decides to make a move at head coach, and they bring in Mike Vrabel. I'm curious about that. What's it been like to work with him so far? Man, I, you know, I said it the other day, man. I, I love working with this guy. He's, he's one of them guys that you can tell played the game for a very long time. He understands um, athletes' bodies. He takes care of us. But at the same time, he's honest. He's brutal. He lets you know straight up he really don't care. I think he thinks he can beat us up because – He's so honest with us, and uh, I like that about him, man, because that just shows that the coach cares, and uh, he want to win. That's all he talk about is winning, 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 and uh, he came from when he played under a winning system, 
So he brings that to us, and, uh, man, I'm just excited to see what happens this season. You know, that's extremely high praise that you have for him, and he also said this about you. Let me read you this quote. When you go back and you look at the history of where he came from, he's a developed player. This is a guy that was not some first-round draft pick and has been a starter since day one. He's worked and he's gotten better every year, and he continues to do that. He works, he takes care of his body, he loves football, end quote. In fact, Delaney, how much pride do you take in the journey that you had to get to and take yourself to get to where you are right now, somebody who's gone to three straight Pro Bowls? I take a lot of pride, and uh, that's why, you know, I try to show up every year um, in shape and, um, and work on my craft because I know at the end of the day what I've been through, my journey to get to this situation, what I had to do to become a starter in this league, and uh, I, I'm very prideful. Um, but I am my worst critic, so I always tell people I had a bad year last year, but everyone always said, man, you had 800 yards receiving. To me, that ain't good enough, so I come every year to be better than what I was last year, and to be 34, I'm still at the top of my game, so I take a lot of pride in that. You know, it seems to me a big part of that, too, is the way you approach this thing. You get after it from a training standpoint. In the offseason, you're extremely careful about your diet. In fact, what kind of foods do you eat, and then what do you try to avoid? Uh, really, the, the most I eat a lot of chicken and fish, um, a lot of grain, really vegetables. Um, I try to stay away with, from red meat. Uh, that's the that's the biggest thing um, that's on my diet is staying away from red meat. I do not drink alcohol, uh, so I try to stay away from that as well. And uh, basically, just eat as eat as much as possible, but not as as not as much as I can. Like so, I eat probably two to three times a day, big meals, and so I don't put a lot of uh, stress on my body with filling myself up and then just working out is big, the, the big key, really, to be honest with you. Delaney Walker joining us. You know, the word also keeps coming up when describing your role in the offense from your teammates in the opposition is that you are a go-to guy. Everybody knows you're going to get the ball, so they focus on you, and yet you can still make the play. How much of that is about pure ability, and how much of that is about the result of the hours and hours of practice and execution? Uh, I'll say it's 50-50, you know, it's the ability to be able to um, be able to run routes and know how to get open and then the, just understanding the philosophy of defense and our offense, knowing the coverages, knowing uh, watching film, studying a guy's um, stance, studying the linebacker when he's, if he's playing outside the tech, uh, a three-tech or a nine-tech, knowing that he might jam me, knowing that he got help over the top. I would say it's 50-50, it's just the ability and then just being – being in the game, studying, knowing who you go, your opponents, because most guys, they don't understand that, that it takes that, too. You can always have the ability, but you got to know the looks. Delaney Walker joining us. You know, I saw you. You and I have talked cars in the past. In fact, let me ask you this. You had what sounds like a really scary incident last month. Back on July 24th, your Lamborghini was hit by an 18-wheeler. What happened? What was that experience like? It sounds terrifying. Uh, yeah, it was terrifying, man. You know, uh, I was sitting uh, at a light out here in Nashville on 3rd Avenue, um, and an 18-wheeler was turning on 3rd Avenue, which they're not even supposed to be turning onto this street. This is a very narrow street. Uh, the 18-wheeler, the front, the front tire barely missed my car, and then the tractor basically went over me, hitting my left, uh, the driver's side door. Um, luckily, I reversed out of there, and the car seen it and kind of stopped the truck, and I was able to get out. But it was, it was kind of scary just to be put in that situation. Um, but at the end of the day, it wasn't as serious as it seemed, and I'm thankful to be here. 
Good, good. It sounded really scary. Now, before the start of training camp, you held a couple of events where you provided free dental checkups at a neighborhood health center, and you gave out backpacks with school supplies to the local kids. There are a lot of things that you could be focused on before camp. Why is that something that you always make time for? Because uh, these kids are our future, you know, and at the end of the day, we need our future to be bright. And I always knew getting a, a dental checkup before school makes you feel healthy, makes you feel confident to go to school. So I want these kids to feel confident when uh, knowing that they have clean teeth, that they have their cavities taken care of so they don't have any problems um, to take them away from school. And then uh, to giving out the backpacks because, you know, I want to make sure that they have all the supplies, again, so they can feel confident to go to school. I remember when I was a kid, if I didn't have the supplies, I kind of didn't want to go to school. So I just made sure that this, at the end of the day that they had the supplies to make them feel confident to go to school so they can excel. Good for you. That's such a great thing. And another reason why he's a two-time Titans Community Man of the Year, Delaney Walker, still going strong. And Tennessee opens up against Miami on September 9th. Delaney, appreciate you. Always looking forward to get caught up with you on this show. And nice to have you back. Thanks so much. Thank you for having me. Baseball is better when the Yankees are good. Golf is better when the cat is swinging a bat. Football is better, well, when anytime Jim Tom Sula does anything at all, because this guy is still a national treasure. And as long as he's in the league, the league is in a better place. And this dude doesn't even have to have a head gig to flex his effortless swag. My man drips it, even as a Redskins assistant coach. And it was a huge weekend for Jimbo. Big enough weekend for me to double back clear of that weekend all the way to Wednesday because there was so much to get to after my Wisconsin trip and the fact that I had two weeks off. So quickly, I'm talking about Jim Tom Sula, not Tom Jim Sula. Or maybe you're drawing a blank and you can't figure out what that name is or what it represents. You're drawing a blank on this living legend. Remember this. He is the genius behind the greatest question deflection ever. It happened back in 2015. He was the new head coach of the 49ers. Comcast Bay Area asked him the direction he was leaning in for hiring a D coordinator. I wouldn't say that. All righty. You wouldn't say that? I would not say that. I wouldn't say it either. <laughs> okay. Uh, let me see if I can go in this direction. I thought that questioner handled that brilliantly as well as you could. Can you imagine that guy giving you that answer? <laughs> I mean, what the hell are you supposed to do with that? Run that back one more time, Alvy, so we can appreciate his unparalleled greatness in that response. I wouldn't say that. All righty. You wouldn't say that? I would not say that. I wouldn't say it either. <laughs> okay. Uh, let me see if I can go in this direction. Okay. Dude hit that reporter with, and I quote, I would not say that. I wouldn't say it either. It's got to be the best answer to a question, maybe ever. And I'll tell you why. Next time anybody hits you with something that you really do not feel like answering, just crack back with some Tom Sula. You know, as an example, hey, did you take the trash out yet? I would not say that. I wouldn't say it either. Did you pay the cable bill? I would not say that. I wouldn't say it either. Did you go to the bar for a few pops with your friends? I would not say that. I wouldn't say it either. Did you roll into work late today? I would not say that. I wouldn't say it either. Did you leave work early today? I would not say that. I wouldn't say it either. Did you lie to your boss? I would not say that. I wouldn't say it either. 
works every single time. Because there's no way that the person you say that to can ask any sort of follow-up question with a scrambled brain. That response will literally melt somebody's dome, and then all of a sudden you're off the hook. Try it. Memorize that. Practice that. That's Tom Sula helping you out of tight spots. That's Tom Sula helping enhance the taste and flavor of a Pabst Blue Ribbon. Yes, it is. And I'll tell you why. Over the past weekend, Jim Tom Sula added to his legend by telling a Redskins reporter, Chad Ryan, during a conversation about beer, quote, freezing cold Pabst Blue Ribbon, and then put a pinch of salt in it, change your life. End of quote. Once again, I challenge you to find the best part of that quote. My man's a millionaire, presumably. I mean, a former head coach in the NFL. My man's a millionaire who drinks PBR. Pretty awesome in and of itself. Not only drinks PBR, freezes PBR before he drinks them. I do the same thing. Awesome. But the difference is he adds a pinch of freaking salt. Never heard that before, but awesome. And this guy's so damn pleased with it that he says it'll change your life. That's as good as it gets. I mean, I've never salted up a PBR before, but you best believe, you best believe when I'm grinding to get to Friday, grinding, grinding, grinding to get through it, to get on my Peloton, to get that workout in, to get my cardio on, only so I can get to that first cocktail of the week. That first cocktail is going to be a salted, frozen PBR. Why? Because Tom Sula said so. Tom Sula could tell me to microwave that same beer, and I'd do it. Look, this guy's got the face of a man who definitely knows what he's talking about in the brewski department. I love getting that anecdote from Chad Ryan because, as Tom Sula said, it's life-changing. And I can't wait to change my life. Man, I need to change my life. I'm three days back from a long vacation, and I know I need to change my life. And now I've got it. Frozen PBR with salt. But if that weren't enough, there's more. NFL reporter Kevin Clark tweeted this out the very same day. Quote, I just saw a guy in the pouring rain absolutely darting through a parking lot on a bike. Impressively fast. Guy yells, hey, how you doing? From a distance. He gets closer. It's Jim Tom Sula. Right, Kev. Who the hell else would it be? The first guy that comes to mind when I hear about somebody whipping a bike through the parking lot in the pouring rain, of course, is Jim Tom Sula. Again, you find me the best part of that tweet. Tom Sula not giving a hell and dead sprinting on a bike. Not in his car now. On a bike in the rain when any other mere mortal, assuming they had to be on a bike, would have lost control and wiped out. Not this guy. And not on top of that, darting through the rain on a bike, not in a car. Former NFL head coach. Current assistant coach. On a bike, not a car. And yelling a pleasantry from a distance while dead sprinting on a bike in the rain. Who the hell does that? Hey, how you doing? While darting on a bike in the rain. Like this guy couldn't wait to be that polite. Most of us won't even stop and greet each other on the street in perfectly clear 75-degree weather. This dude's on a bike in the rain. Hey, 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 how you doing? And not just people. These are the kinds of manners that you pick up as a former 
night janitor, firewood cutter, and doormat salesman. All jobs that Tom Sula actually had. Here's my only frustration. It's the year 2018. Can somebody get any of this on tape? Any of these conversations? Any of these bike rides in the pouring rain? Can nobody turn their phone around on this? Tom Sula is a lot of things. He's not Sasquatch. Roll some tape. What I wouldn't give to hear or see any of these encounters as opposed opposed to having to just read them. Memo to all reporters within a parking lot of Jim Tom Sula. Have the iPhone ready. You never know when a legend is going to roll up on a 10-speed in the rain or dole out some free advice on how to drink PBR. Come on. Somebody get tape of this guy. Somebody turn their phone around on this guy. Okay. But thank God for this guy. And remember... If somebody asks you a question that you do not want to answer, just drop this on them. I would not say that. I wouldn't say it either. I would not say that. I wouldn't say it either. I would not say that. I wouldn't say it either. Hey, kids. Hey, kids. When your parents say, hey, did you study for that test? Hit them with this. I would not say that. I wouldn't say it either. I think he's got an amazing life story. We are joined right now by Packers linebacker Ahmad Thomas. Ahmad, really nice to have you on. How are you? I'm doing fine. How are you? Nice to talk to you. You know, as I mentioned, I think you have an amazing life story. But before we get into the incredible journey that you had to get to this point, bring me up to date about training camp. You've been getting a lot of praise from Packers head coach Mike McCarthy and some of the other coaches as well. What's the experience been like for you so far? Uh, The experience has been, you know, just a learning process, you know, getting in and learning the playbook as fast as I can and doing what's asked of me. You know, things changed actually dramatically when Jake Ryan went down with that ACL injury, you obviously never want to see that happen to a teammate, but the team needed somebody to step up in his absence, and you've been getting a lot of run in that spot. How have you gone about approaching that challenge? Well, you know, you just got to approach it, you know, like every other situation. Even before I got here, you know, you always got to be prepared because, you know, in in a game like this, anything could happen. You know, unfortunately that happened, but, you know, I was ready to, you know, step up because I was always working every day to be prepared for it. Ahmad Thomas joining us. You know, the fact that you and I are having this conversation and the story you have to tell is really inspirational. It's amazing. If we were to go back a little bit, you grew up in Miami, not far from Miami Central High School. So what was life like for you growing up? Um, you know, it was a lot of violence, you know, a lot of drug use. And um, just not an environment that you want to raise kids in, but, you know, well, good thing I had, you know, a good family that raised me, helped me keep my head on straight um, and kept me away from those things. You know, even though you still be around it and you see it, uh, I just had a great family that, you know, t- told me about the consequences. And, you know, like, because, you know, it was a lot of people around me, you know, even on my team that was, you know, involved with stuff like that. But I just knew where I wanted to go and I didn't want to deal with the consequences down the road and get involved with things like that. Sure. Packers linebacker Ahmad Thomas, my guest. You mentioned your family. You actually had an amazing family. You were adopted when you were just a few months old, and your mother and family did an amazing job of raising you. So what kind of expectations did your mother have for you? And then how much did you learn from her? Oh, man, I learned a lot. Um, the most important thing that I always, uh, you know, took with me was, you know, live every day like it's your last, and, you know, you just don't want to, 
let a day just go by. So every time I, you know, stepped out, she always wanted me to do my best and uh, make sure I wasn't lacking in anything because, you know, just like, for example, like if anybody was to get hurt and, you know, that's not what I want, but, you know, things like that happen. So you got to go hard every day because you never know what happened. You never know what's going to happen, especially playing that game. Now, you played yeah. high school ball at Miami Central, and then you went to Oklahoma, and you became a starter there, as I mentioned, and a team captain as well. And then during a team physical with the Chargers, they discovered that you were anemic. What was your reaction yeah. when you heard that news? I was confused, actually, because I never really felt um, tired, as in like physical activity, but I did feel sluggish. Uh, some days, but I just thought, you know, that's football. I'm just tired. Um, so when they started telling me about it, I was getting kind of worried because, you know, as a male, we don't bleed. So they was telling me that I had some internal bleeding going on. Uh, so I went through the process, and a lot of doctors was asking me a lot of medical background uh, information, and I couldn't tell them anything because, you know, me being adopted. Uh, so at that point, I was getting more curious. Ahmad Thomas joining us. So you're trying to get that information. And also, you know, later on, your wife, Skylar, she had raised the idea in the past about potentially looking into finding your biological parents. Like you just said, you were adopted. You didn't have all that information. When she brought that up, what were your thoughts? For instance, did you feel like that was something you wanted to do eventually? Or did you feel like you already had a family and you were good with that? Um, well, uh, what, did, what you guys didn't know was before she was my wife, right. my freshman year, I was, you know, dealing with it because I had just, it was like two years after my mom told me I was adopted. And I sat and I talked to her about it. Um, and she was telling me that I should try to find my family. But, and this is before the medical issues and stuff. And I was thinking about that. And at that point, I was just having, like, identity issues. So I was, like, in denial about it. So, yeah, at one point, at that point, I was just like, I, ha I have a family. I don't need to, um, I don't need to find them. But when I got to the medical issues, that's when I felt kind of pressured to find them. And at the end of the day, you know, I kind of did want to find them because I really wanted to know what my roots were. Huh. I had a, I had an issue with knowing who I am, but not knowing what I was and where I came from. I'm not Thomas joining us. I mean, that's actually pretty profound. And the story itself to me is beautiful. And I want to make sure that I get this right, too. Is it true that on December 13th of last year, you found your birth mother, and then on the very next day, your son Ahmad was born? And if so, if yeah. that is true, what were those days like for you? Yeah, it was, it, that was crazy. That was crazy because um, when I found her, it was, it was just crazy because I was on the way to leave because my wife was in labor. Uh, and my birthday was on the 15th, too. And when I was talking to my mother, my biological mother, I had to, um, when I, go I Googled her name and then I found her on like Google Plus and I messaged her and she didn't think it was me. And it was around the time that she was like grieving and stuff because she thought I was dead and that she always does that around my birthday. That's what she was telling me. Um, so she thought it was like some cruel joke. And then I told her what my real name was. And then that's when we started talking and then I told her where I was at. And then I told her my son was being born. And that's when she found out that she found her. Well, I found her son, her first son found her. And then 
she found out that she was the grandmother this the next day, well, basically the same day that I found her. So we talked on the phone for about, I would say, four and a half hours. And then the next day we talked on the phone for about the same amount of time. So it was just a lot of information that she was getting, a lot of information that I was getting. So, And then still to this day, it's just a lot of things that I'm learning about myself. Packers linebacker Ahmad Thomas joining us. I mean, it's an amazing story. Amazing. And it gets even more incredible because you had a heart murmur when you were born. Your birth parents, who were very young at the time you were adopted, were told by doctors that you probably would not live past the age of 10. So what was it like to reach out to your biological mother and speak with her for the first time? When we got on the phone, she was crying for a pretty long time because, I mean, it was hard for me to have any empathy for that until, like, I was listening to her speak because I don't, I have children of my own and I don't know what it's like for, you know, to be like, I have a child out there somewhere. Like I haven't, I have no idea how that feels, but it was crazy to even think that I could have been dead. Cause I was thinking of it like, wow, I could, I was not even supposed to be alive right now. And then when she told me about the heart murmur, it was like not even too long after she stopped crying. She that's when she asked me. She was like, "So, how do you feel?" And I was like, "What do you mean?" She was like, "Is your heart okay?" And I said, "Yeah. I mean, I had a heart murmur in uh I had a heart murmur in uh high school, but they said it was just like a minor thing." And she was like, "Well, when you were born, the doctor told me you had a fatal heart murmur and you wouldn't live past 10." Hmm. And that's when I was like, "Wow." And then we after that, we just talked for like 3 more hours. It's incredible. Ahmad Thomas joining us. And there's even more. I mean, you and I can, this story could take me another hour to tell, but then you get in touch with your (laughs) biological father too. And the two of you met for the first time in February. What was that meeting like? And well, actually, what kind of emotions were you feeling right before the meeting? Yes, that's a, that's a great question because um, when we were talking about, you know, well, so first uh, I didn't find my biological father, my biological mother did. And she had to find him through, um, like a a website uh, where you like you know find people and she had to pay for it and stuff like that uh, and she found them and then we all start talking on this app uh, house party and we was like uh, video chatting like in a group and stuff and then we started talking about what well, they started talking about coming up and seeing me and you know at first I really didn't feel any kind of way until the day that they flew up there I was getting nervous and. I was kind of like uptight about it and like I didn't know how they was going to react but I was really nervous but once we actually met it was just like it was like so com it was I don't know I can't even explain it but I knew I felt that comfortability as soon as we just locked eyes with each other cuz we had been talking for like a month and a half before that my Thomas joining us, you know, and then on top of that, you always had a love for music. And then one of the things that you first learned in that meeting with your biological father is that he's a DJ. So what was it like yeah. to hear that? That was crazy. And the other crazy part is, so I have three half, well, I have six half siblings in total. And one of my sisters sing on top of my biological dad being a, a DJ. Huh. And we just start talking about music. Like that was the first day he get, he came here. 
and he had his DJ uh, DJ slate, the table, and he had the laptop, and we were just listening to music all day. We were just catching up like we haven't seen each other in like a month or something. <laughs> so that's where the comfortability was at. We it's it's so crazy that we haven't been. They haven't raised me, but we still have the same similarities and the same, you know, likes. It was just. It was kind of weird. It was just kind of like we had that telepathic connection, even though we didn't know where we, you know, like where each other were, was at. It's one of the most amazing stories I think I've ever heard, and I really appreciate you sharing it. So, like, Ahmad, when you find your biological parents, I mean, I guess, and I don't know, but I guess in some cases it might be about getting some closure on something in the past. Does it feel like that, or does it feel like it's the start of something new? And then how do you approach it going forward? I feel like it's a start of something new because growing up it was it wasn't hard for me to know who I was. But I always had this thought in the back of my mind and I used to always ask my mom, like, where do I come from? And she just, you know, tell me like, Oh, you were born and that's not what I meant because I always knew like a baby you know, how a baby was born and how you make babies. I knew that but the interesting thing that she told me was before, because after she told me, like, and I found my biological mom and stuff like that, we had a long talk, and she was telling me, she was like, when I adopted you, the people told me that you were going to know that you were adopted before I even told you. Huh. So I was having these thoughts in my mind, and that was the struggle that I was having, and I feel like this is a, a thing that I can start a new, you know, a new journey to get to know my biological family and get to know where I came from and get to know my roots. So I wouldn't have that identity issue that I was having at first because, you know, my family shaped who I am and that's how I got to where I am today. But I was just kind of lost in, like, what I was and, like, where I came from without even consciously knowing that I was adopted. So I just feel like... Now it's just time to, you know, start a new journey, get closer to my biological family and, you know, have a big family and bring both of the families together. And then on top of all that, you're competing for a job with the Green Bay Packers. I mean, that, that's how extensive and amazing the story is. Ahmad. We talked about everything but football, but I really appreciate you. I really appreciate your story. Next time you come on, we'll definitely talk some more football, but I appreciate your thoughts very much. It is an amazing story. Ahmad. really nice Thank to have you, you on. Thanks for sharing that. Thank you. I'm I'm glad y'all have me on. We go to Long Beach. Hi, Ray. What's going on? How are you? I'm good, Robbie. How's it going, buddy? Great. Everything's good here. What's up? Hey, man. Delmar is open. Hey, uh, here's my sports take, Romy. The Dodgers bullpen really sucks, dude. Really sucks. Blew another one last night. But, hey, listen. I got two dozen phone calls yesterday talking people calling me saying, oh, yeah, dude, they're talking about your book and jamming you about uh, your lack of funds on your GoFundMe page. But here, before uh, before I get into it, Romy, here you go, clones. GoFundMe.com. Search IRA Craig, IRA, any of those things will pop up. Donate a dollar, clones. Here, I'm even going to give you the ultimate, ultimate battering ram for IRA Craig. Romy, I'm basically a vagabond, indigent artist. I'm basically, like, homeless, pretty much. You know, I mean, uh, yeah, I live on the streets, pretty much. So there you go, Claus. I'm not using a shrimp for a Bluetooth or a cockroach for a harmonica yet. But, yeah, my life revolves around living on the streets, pretty much. I, right. I mean, for but, real? You know, for real? That's, that's just... 
Are you are you're homeless now? It's circumstantial, but it's also kind of by choice, Romy. I call it my social experiment because everything is going to end up in part two of my book. Because I'm telling you, Romy, you've got to read this thing, dude. Once you read it, you're going to be blown away. I can't believe that there's not, of your millions of people listening, there's not an agent or, uh, you know, a venture capitalist or a publisher that's willing to take a chance on my book. Because, Romy, it is gold. It's literary gold, I'm telling you. Ask Adam. He read it. He gave it five stars a bit out of editor. It's awesome. So, I'm telling you, that, I, that's my life. That's I, the way I, I live it. I, I, I respectfully, I, I really, I, I'm really worried about you. Did you say? But did you say you chose to be homeless? Um. Yeah. Like I said, it's circumstantial, partly, and it's also partly by choice. If I had, you know, if I wanted to, I could be living somewhere, basically. And I do. I mean, I, I, I stay at my work when I need to. If I don't end up at some strange woman's house overnight or whatever. It's really no big deal, Romy. I'm healthy as a horse. I'm feeling great. Matter of fact, it's very liberating. It's awesome, man. I've, I've, I've humbled myself. I've, I've come to learn things that I would have never learned leading the life I was previously living. And it's, it's awesome, dude. Dr. Dave in Chicago, live right now. Hey, Dave, what's up? Not much, Jim. How's it going? Still good. Hey, you said I needed to try harder on the podcast yesterday. Well, here goes. It was great hearing you talk about Paul Chris yesterday when you went to Wisco. But outside of Wisco and Northwestern, the only thing more certain in the last seven years than a Big Ten football coach with controversy is a Vic and NoCal ninth-place smack-off call. I see more crap spewing from Urban, DJ Durkin, Harbaugh, D'Antonio, Kevin Wilson, Tim Beckman, and Joe Pod than from a Rex and Albuquerque molten lava growler. I'm out. Mike in Philly. Mike, how are you? What's up? Romy, great show. Love you as always, man. Thank you very much. What's going on, Mike? How are you? Uh, You know, uh, Tom Sula makes uh, Belichow, you know, somebody actually answers questions. I mean, it's unbelievable. He actually, it's unbelievable. You listen to Tom Sula. Slow slow down, brother. All right, now you're done. Boy, that was very convoluted. Very jittery. A lot of gibberish. Stick to your script. Good night now! Security threats are everywhere. But with Xfinity XFi, you're notified of threats to your in-home Wi-Fi network, so all your connected devices are protected. That's simple, easy, awesome. Switch to Xfinity today and get a great offer. You'll get the best in-home Wi-Fi experience with Xfinity XFi. Plus, you'll get advanced security free with the XFi Gateway. That's a $72 value per year. No other provider offers this. Go online, call 1-800-XFINITY, or visit a store today. Restrictions apply. 